This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Connor Wanders. I am obviously Connor, and we are obviously wandering. We've got some fun stuff going on today, but before we even get into any of that, I want to thank Zane Austin for joining the Patreon. Here's what you get with Patreon ad-free episodes of this show and the Realness Podcast. You also get those shows early when I have them early, which is not always. If you want to know the secret behind the scenes, I get a little bit behind sometimes. Got a lot of things going on. And I also procrastinate way too much. Um, and I just go down rabbit holes. Sometimes rabbit holes may hold me for a day or two or three, sometimes a week, sometimes a month, who knows. But the community on Patreon has been really, really helpful. They get those, like I said, episodes early for the realness, and those episodes are ad-free. Also, custom custom intros and outros, specifically for the Patreon community, which are much more fun. And there's just bonus stuff there. Going into 2021, my goal is this, and hold me to it. I would like to add a bonus episode just for Patreon. And I want to, I want to, I'm trying to figure this out, guys. I'm trying to figure it out how to connect a phone system and a, have a call in so you guys can call in, ask questions, and we can have a good time like that going live um, within the Patreon community. So lots of fun stuff I'm working on because this is just, you know, we're, we're flushing this out. But anyways, big shouts to Zane Austin for joining. And uh, I think that puts our total count in on the Patreon community at nine. And if you think this this show deserves more than nine Patreon subscribers, well, that's that's for you to change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Join the Patreon community and please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here's the thing. Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed. No big surprise there. Very little change in our day-to-day lives. Until this election, and we shall see where things will go. But I'll tell you this, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, that court will be packed. There there will be packing of the court if Biden wins and the Senate and House are Democratic. We will see. Jeff Bezos might be buying CNN and creating a media empire. So the same guy that you buy stuff on, uh, you know, Ridiculous stuff on uh, <laughs> the same guy that owns the website that you buy ridiculous shit on. Well, maybe own, might own CNN as well as uh, the Washington Post. So very interesting that he may just create this media empire on top of owning Whole Foods. Jeff Bezos, multi-talented man. We're not talking about that much today, though. We're going to get into uh, Walter Wallace Jr. being killed by police and the Philly riots. Talk a little bit about that. My thoughts on what's going on there. Jack from Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg were testifying to uh, the Senate, and that was really interesting. We're going to go over some of that because Ted Cruz got heated, and if you know anything about me, you know that I fucking hate Ted Cruz, so we'll be talking about that, and of course, of course today, we're talking about Alex motherfucking Jones on Joe Rogan's podcast with my favorite podcaster right now. Like, this was a wet dream for me, to be honest with you. My favorite podcaster right now is Tim Dillon, without without question. I'm going to see him in about a month, uh, hoping that if it's not locked down. But I've got tickets to go see him here in Denver and right after the election. And I am incredibly stoked. I said a month. It's like actually two weeks away. So those guys got together. When I saw that photo, literally, here's what happened. When I saw the photo be shared that said, Tim Dillon and Alex Jones were on the Joe Rogan experience. I stopped doing what I was doing. I was working on this show. Okay. I was putting together this show. I was actually about to record this show. The show's coming out a little later than I like it to come out because when that happened, I stopped everything and I put it on YouTube. And then I went upstairs, put it on the Apple TV, and we watched a three hour podcast with my lovely girlfriend, Kelly Tennant. Watched this podcast on our TV like we were watching a movie, and it was glorious, glorious. And then I sat and I waited for the media outrage that I knew would come. 
and I was not disappointed. So we're going to get into that as well. We're going to get into that as well, and I'm very excited about it. But with all that being said, oh my goodness, let's get into the state of things. Joe Rogan, Tim Dillon, Alex Jones, what a trio, what a trio. And we also got the information, the beautiful information that Joe Rogan, Kyle Kalinske, and Tim Dillon will be doing an election special. And Alex Jones is going to drop by. He invited himself. That's a savage thing to do. Alex Jones is one of the only people that can invite himself back onto the Joe Rogan podcast while he's on the Joe Rogan podcast and have his his, his self-invite accepted. This was one of the most glorious moments in podcast history. Now, I will say that the Alex Jones podcast on Joe Rogan with Eddie Bravo was slightly more entertaining, and I feel like this conversation with Tim Dillon and Joe Rogan was a little bit more informative. But here is what we've got to deal with now. I looked up all the articles that I could find that are, you know, upset the, the the journalist the journalist quote unquote that are upset about Alex Jones being on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan platforming Alex Jones and I want to get into this so I spent some time finding what I thought was the most egregious article um that I could find and the and the one I fell on was the verge so the verge and buzzfeed news were the two contenders for the article we were going to review on this episode but the verge just due to their headline Due to their headline was the reason I, cho- I chose them. And I'm just going to read through this for you, even though I'm very I'm bad at reading out loud, okay? I have some PTSD from my Christian days in Bible school when I had to read these really complex words and get a lot of anxiety and try and read in front of these people. And I thought the girl next to me was cute and I was getting turned on, but I couldn't get turned on because I was a Christian and it was really, it was a sin and then I'm sinning and I can't read and then I'm reading about sin. That I have, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time reading out loud thanks to that experience. So... Praise be to Jesus. And now let's move on. Joe Rogan is already letting Alex Jones spread misinformation on his Spotify show. Now let's be clear. The Joe Rogan podcast is not exclusively on Spotify yet. It's still on Apple Podcasts and YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not exclusively on Spotify, but Spotify has made that big money deal. Now, if you see here, we got Joe Rogan in this photo, we got Alex Jones, and we got my boy Tim Dillon here. And Tim Dillon is rocking a free Ghislaine t-shirt, which is hilarious. The first thing that Tim Dillon said on this podcast was, I'm wearing my free Ghislaine t-shirt because I believe all women, which is fucking hysterical. If you don't think that's funny, you have a problem. All right, Joe Rogan's podcast has only been available on Spotify since September, and already the host is inviting controversial guests to appear. Oh, no. This week, he chatted with InfoWars host and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, as well as comedian Tim Dillon. The episode's audio and video are available both on Spotify and YouTube. They're also available on Apple Podcasts. And this comes after Spotify employees expressed concern over Rogan's prior episodes and transphobic content. That is not actually transphobic. Um, during this most recent interview, Dylan wore a shirt that says free Ghislaine in reference to Ghislaine Maxwell, an associate of Jeffrey Epstein who was charged in July with helping Epstein recruit and groom girls to sexually abuse. Dylan claims during the three-hour-plus show that Democrats want to use COVID-19 and possibly local shutdowns to prevent, to prevent people from private ownership of cars and cash. And they backed that up. I'm adding this in. This is my own, you know, slice of slice of information here. They backed that up with UN documents. I'm just saying. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I love Alex Jones. I think the guy's hilarious. I treat him like a comedian. I also treat Joe Rogan and Tim Dillon like comedians because they're fucking comedians. Okay. So let's let's they just they put this in here. They they make this sound. The guy whoever wrote this makes this sound like like Tim Dillon is actually advocating. For the liberation of Glenn Maxwell, and that he's pro child sexual abuse and a, a Jeffrey Epstein apologist. That's how that's framed. You know how cunty that is? That's a very cunty thing to do. All right, let's keep moving. Um, Jones, who previously claimed that Sandy Hook was a hoax, also said that a lot of studies show that masks won't protect people in large groups from getting COVID 19. 
The CDC recommends people wear a mask anywhere they are around other people. Yeah, okay, that's that's whatever. Um, people can make their own fucking mind up with this shit, too. I mean, if you're going to be in a large group without a mask on, like, you're stupid. Like, maybe you need to get COVID-19 because you're stupid. Right? Like, okay. Like, what are you scared of here? What are we scared of here? At another point, Jones exaggerates an incident in which an oral vaccine caused polio in recipients. Jones said the vaccine caused 100% of recipients to get sick after taking it. Before Rogan pulls up an AP article that details the cases of two children who are paralyzed after receiving the vaccine. Dylan and Jones also claim that the Democrats are intentionally trying to keep the U.S. economy down in order to get Trump out of office. And so many people think that. If you watch... Nancy Pelosi and the way she that she's conducted herself with this next round of stimulus bill, this ne- the stimulus bill that's under review right now, and they're trying to sh- shove a bunch of stuff in there that has nothing to do with COVID, and they're blocking, they're creating a situation where it's just not going to get passed because they don't want the economy to recover. We've got what five days till the election. They're just going to hold it out. That's what exact. That's exactly what they're fucking doing. If you don't believe that that's what's happening, you're a fucking moron. Like that's what happens. Then you're blind. You're blind. I'm left of center. I live my life left on the political spectrum, and I know the amount of fuckery that Nancy Pelosi is conducting in government right now, okay? Do I hate her as much as Mitch McConnell? No, but it's really fucking close, all right? So let's, 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 not, let's not gloss over that as, if that as if that's some kind of conspiracy theory that Nancy Pelosi would prefer for lockdowns to ensue, the economy to be in the tank. That way it gives her, it's like throwing a, a, a slow pitch to Joe Biden. Because it'll be better? Because there'll be some cooperation? Like, I voted for Joe Biden, and we're going to talk about that later, but, like, obviously that's what's happening. Obviously. May not be the only motivator of what's happening right now, but it's definitely up there. Let's continue. Although Rogan attempts to fact-check Jones live by asking for his sources and then attempting to search and pull up links during the recording... It doesn't take away from the fact that he is giving Jones a place to share his views. Oh no. InfoWars has been banned from most major tech platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Spotify itself also removed Jones' own podcast from his platform in 2018. Episodes featuring Jones on other podcasts do exist on Spotify, which is absolutely fine. Spotify Spotify signed an exclusive deal with Rogan earlier this year that brought the show to his platform. It has never been... (laughs) available it had never been available up to this point the show arrived on spotify september 1st and is planning to become exclusive at some point soon the company hasn't provided an exact date in return for the deal spotify stressed that rogan retains creative control over his show still prior rogan episodes that feature jones aren't available on spotify currently and the company hasn't commented on why that is spotify declined to comment for the story but an internal email attained from buzzfeed news Details the strategy Spotify team managers have been directed to take when considering a response to Rogan's show. This is a quote from that email. Spotify has always been a place for creative expression, the email said. It's all it's important to have diverse voices and points of view on our platform. The email also also says Spotify won't ban specific individuals from being guests on other people's shows as the episode show complies with the content policy okay so let's look at this i want to see i want to show you some of the some of the response to what has gone on here some of the like the the the, the tw- i took to twitter of course and just to see what was going on and this fucking guy nathan bernard old nathan bernard in his and this is put this in this is put this in context here in his twitter bio it says free speech advocate. Okay? Free speech advocate. Nathan Bernard. Blue check mark. I don't even know who this guy is or where he came from, but he's got that blue check on Twitter. It means he's kind of a big deal on Twitter, all right? Joe Rogan hosted far right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on his podcast today. They pushed anti vax conspiracies and broadcasted banned InfoWars videos. Rogan continuing to platform these far-right sickos is incredibly gross and dangerous. And then he plays a clip here. Joe Rogan says kids are getting polio from taking vaccines after Alex Jones spreads conspiracies that Bill Gates is trafficking vaccines that get 100% of people sick. 
great host, great, great, great work hosting this Spotify. We had a little condescending leftist voice there. Let's see what he had to say. Let's see what clip he put up here. Bill Gates was on CBS News. And he said 80% of the people get sick? Yeah. And 20% of them go to the hospital? No, it was two vaccines. They said one vaccine 100% got sick. And a certain percent went to the hospital. The other 80% got sick. And 20% of those and went to the And sometimes that does happen even with a flu vaccine, right? Like sometimes I, I, people get sick. I swear get a to God, sick. you type in... Bill Gates grilled by CBS. I'll bring it up. Pull, pull up AP Bill Gates polio vaccine. But that's a coronavirus. Uh, he said polio vaccine. All right. All right. Okay. Now, I'm, now I'm pissed. I'm going to tell you the headline. It was... Uh, um, was the see exact? if there's a polio... Hold on. What was the headline? Article. It was uh, UN. UN vaccine causes polio. UN vaccine causes polio. Okay. <clears throat> UN vaccine causes polio. Google you know, is not this show you October. Shit. Google is compromised. Can <clears throat> you just ask Jesus, please? UN says new polio outbreak in Sudan was caused by oral vaccine. Yeah. Whoa. It's not good. New polio outbreak in Sudan is caused by oral vaccine. And this, look at that kid's face. Oh my God. Is that a terrifying image? The image of them distributing that. Look at that poor kid's face. Imagine that kid getting polio from that vaccine. They're just—he looks so terrified. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean that's tragic. It's not, oh. Then a bunch of them died, but you know. Jesus it's Christ. Just Alex Jones. The hold on, hold on. Back up, back up, back up, back up. All right, so that's what we've got there. Beautiful. That's what he's so upset about. Which I understand. I, I mean, I don't agree with that. I, it seems like these vaccines save a lot more people than they harm. But people, too, get harmed by vaccines. That's the thing. Is like right now, this video, this podcast, I'll be taken down for anti-vax content because I say, hey, maybe within a small portion of the population, vaccines cause more problems than they solve. I think that's pretty straightforward. I'm not saying that it's not worth it. Like the same, like the, let's, let's apply the same logic to vaccines that we apply to driving in cars. People die in car accidents all the time. No? Reported, I mean, over and over again, one of the largest killers of people on the planet, right? Does that mean we don't drive? We make them as safe as we can, and we just say, hey, that's part of the deal. Why don't we say that about vaccines? That's honest, right? It saves way more lives than it hurts, but some people, it does cause problems. How is that so, how is that so controversial? You're playing with human biology here. That's, that's, that's kind of how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 what we're that's what we're doing. So how is that so controversial? Now I don't understand his his stats, his data. Like I don't fucking know. Maybe, maybe, but then things get a little bit weirder when some people are having an issue playing this episode. Now here's what Joe Rogan had to say about this. He posts a screenshot of uh, of the episode on Spotify and says. The conspiracy theory about the show with the conspiracy theorist. Theorist, the episode that was uploaded to Spotify had some cache issues and it wasn't working correctly on some devices. So the engineers had Jamie re-upload it with the same date, thinking it would fix the problem, but still play f- and and but still play for everyone like it was never missing. Didn't quite out. Didn't quite work out perfect, which led to my phone getting hit by people thinking it was removed. It works for me now, but some folks are still having trouble seeing it. They're working on it, but it is, however, fucking classic and amazing that this glitch only shows up for the Alex Jones episode. Yeah, that's a little wild. That's a little interesting. Um, pretty sketch. Pretty sketch. And here's what I here's my theory on what's happening. Somebody within Spotify who has access to this kind of stuff is just kind of throwing a wrench in the gears here. Right, it's like because on my devices, on my laptop and my phone, I had no issue. I had no issue playing either one of them, so I'm not one of those people. But a lot of people, a lot of people were having an issue playing this episode. Now, this is such a tricky thing because Alex Jones is right about certain things. I learned, and this is an example. I learned about Jeffrey Epstein. Years ago, because every now and then I'd jump on to Infowars.com or whenever he was on YouTube, I would just go pop over there and see what Alex Jones is talking about. Let's just see what Alex, I think about that all the time. Like, 
oh, I'm kind of bored today or I need some content. Like maybe nothing's really happening in the news cycle and I'm just kind of curious what's going on. I'll pop over to band.video or infowars.com and just see what they're talking about. If nothing else, I end up generally entertained. Alex is screaming about something. He's upset. He's, he's just being Alex Jones. And on Joe Rogan's podcast, he comes in here, he lets loose, he gets drunk. Like he has crazy ass ideas and a big platform. And what's the problem with that? Now, the Sandy Hook thing, I've gone over this numerous times. The Sandy Hook thing is very much a problem. He really overstepped there. And it's, it's Alex Jones. It's Alex Jones. Here's the thing. If I was Joe Rogan, if I was Joe Rogan, and if I was Spotify particularly, but if I was Joe Rogan, I would just keep doing this. Like go right, left, whatever, bring on a communist, bring on a socialist, bring on some more far right people. Like anybody who's been canceled, he should just have group podcasts of people that have been canceled, right? Just see how far you can push it because try and de-platform Joe Rogan. Like you think this election is contested? Try and de-platform Joe Rogan with his rabid fan base. That will explode the internet. And I also don't think that there's a problem questioning the way that the power, the people in power, have manipulated things due to coronavirus. Now, do I think, do I personally think that the, 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 the powers that be created coronavirus and did this all as some kind of weird psyop to see what they could get out of us? No. I also don't think that George W. Bush was responsible for 9-11, but I do know that that administration took advantage of 9-11 to give us something like the Patriot Act. And now we're all very comfortable being spied on by the NSA and the CIA. Like, this is a normal thing, right? Like, Assange and Snowden pointed that out for us, made it very, very clear. Okay, so to think that the powers that be, the whatever you want to call it, the powerful people, aren't using COVID to see what they can get out of us, see what they can, see, see how, see what, where, how far they can go. I mean, that would be a little bit naive in my opinion. Not because I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist, because I watched what happened with 9-11. That got us into a war that hasn't ended yet, 20 years later. And, and, and we have, you know, <laughs> we have very little privacy. We, we sacrificed so much privacy after that. Like, this isn't, this isn't me like coming up with some crackpot theory. This is me looking at what happened last time we had a large-scale tragedy like this and how the government responded. And just assuming that I can trust them to do the same thing that they've always done. So why would this be anything different? They've seen how far they can go here. They have a lot of data now on how far they can go. And I don't think it's a problem to question that and to be curious about that. And I don't think, you know, I'm not an anti-masker. I think wearing masks is very safe. Um, I think it's a, a nice precaution. I don't think it's that invasive, especially temporarily. Like, okay, we, we, we spent a year kind of having to wear masks, and I'm sure that that'll go away. If it doesn't, you'll see me start to get pretty pissed, and I understand that, that a lot of people may disagree with me on that. But I don't think there's ever a problem questioning power. Ever. I don't think it's a problem being critical of the police. I don't think it's a problem being critical of Democrats, Republicans, communists, whatever. Libertarians, like be critical of anyone in power. That is that is a strength to be able to objectively view what's happening and be honest about it. Now there are actors in this that are dishonest, and I don't I don't agree with that, and I would I don't want them to be deplatformed. But I wish that we were taught and valued as a culture critical thinking more than we do. And I think that we're nerfing the internet now. We are nerfing the internet. And, I, and I've had this discussion numerous times with several people on all sides of the political spectrum. And no one's really stoked on it, right? No one's stoked on it. Because you censor one thing from the right, then it's like, well, if I, want, if I think Medicare for all is the best option, but then that gets fact-checked. Like, that literally gets fact-checked on Twitter sometimes. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not the dissemination of ideas. Like, what are we doing here? So really, really interesting, interesting stuff. And I think that we're going to learn a lot about where this is, where we're, where our the future of free speech is headed in the next several weeks. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really, 
really interesting. But with that, let's go ahead and move on. All right, another unfortunate police shooting that has taken the... Every time this happens, if it's white cops and a black guy who gets shot, it's white cops shoot black man. Like that's that's the headline all over the place. And I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I did very little research on how the cops ended up there, what's going on. I want to keep this straight to the interaction. I think that the way that cops are are sent out and dispatched to certain scenarios is a problem that needs to be reevaluated in a very serious way. But I'm going to take this straight from what happened on the scene to what the aftermath is looking like. And just to share some thoughts. I'm, I've done, we've done this same, we've had this same story play out so many times that it honestly feels like at this point, a distraction to get into the weeds of what's happening. Like it's, it's following the same recipe. Okay. So let's look at this and see what's going on. I'm going to, if you're, if you're just listening audio only, I suggest you go over to YouTube. We're going to play the full video here. And, um, and then we're going to look at just a few videos of the aftermath and the crazy shit that's going on. So turn this down a little bit. It gets a little loud here. So it's an iPhone video and you can see before we even get started, there's a guy with a knife. There's a couple of cops and they're, they're continually backing off of this guy. So they're backing off, backing off guns are drawn. Yo, this shit is crazy. He's going around the car. I think some woman is attached to him. The cops are backing up. Guns, guns drawn, backing up, starts chasing after the cops with a knife, swinging it around. And then that happens. So let's just back that up. Let's count the number of shots here. Nope, not far enough. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight. About 15, 20 oh. shots, something like that. Oh, oh shit. Oh my God. Oh my God. Bro, they just killed them in front of me. <laughs> Yo. I hate watching this shit. Yo. Y'all ain't had to give them that many fucking shots. All right, so this is sad, very unfortunate, and really frustrating to watch, to be honest with you. Um, But it's a justified police shooting. Okay, this guy apparently suffered from uh, some bipolar disorder, was on lithium, and he's literally chasing the cops around with a knife. Like... What what I did when this whole thing started with when George Floyd happened and these and and Breonna Taylor the whole thing, I was like, all right, just to provide context and balance this out, I want to go watch some justified police shootings, and it's hard to watch. I don't enjoy watching this, but I think it's necessary if I feel like I'm going to have an opinion on what cops should do in certain scenarios. I should go see like what cops have to deal with um, when it, things get dangerous. I mean, I saw things from. You know, people pulling guns to somebody chasing had already like been hitting people with a sword. He was obviously like just just cracked out of his head. Uh, white dude, uh, homeless guy it seemed like hitting people with a sword and then chased a cop with a sword and the cop shot. Like it was just the weirdest. I've seen some crazy, crazy things just going down the rabbit hole looking at this body cam footage. So this is really sad, very sad, and what makes it more sad is the aftermath and the rioting that ensued after this man's death. This is incredibly unfortunate. Incredibly, they, don't, they did not need to shoot 40 times. I had this conversation with some guys that are on the right yesterday, and I'm a pro-Second Amendment guy. I think some gut reform is really important and uh, would be very helpful for our nation as a whole. But I look at this and I think, I would have done things differently, right? There's been other shootings where I look at this and I try and put myself in the in the policeman's position. I would have done things differently. But I can also say that I probably would have taken a shot. It's what they do. I mean, the, and this is one thing people don't understand. They think a gun, like it's like rock, paper, scissors. Like gun is more uh, effective than a knife. Yeah, in some scenarios it is. But we also had what happened today um, it, it, where, where three people were killed by a knife two people were decapitated before the cops even showed up like that kind of shit's happening and a lot of times in a close combat fight right between two people who are untrained which the police you can usually assume are pretty untrained at hand-to-hand combat and this guy i'm assuming untrained like a knife can do more damage than a gun in close in close um proximity to one another 
Okay, so if he was to get locked up with one of these guys, uh, and the other police officer couldn't shoot because then they're too close together. Like, there's so many things and scenarios to consider here. This is terrible and sad and unfortunate, but this is not even close to what happened to George Floyd. This is not close to what happened to Breonna Taylor. This is very, very, very different. Very different. And then that turns into what we're looking at right here. So this is the New York Post put this put this clip together. Uh, again, I highly recommend going over to YouTube to check it out. We have cops being run over by trucks. This cop just ran. This guy just ran over a police officer in a, in, in a truck. It was standing in the road. We got flashbangs, fucking fist fights. Like this is just out of hand. Out of hand. I mean, Philadelphia is getting ripped to pieces right now. This is insane. Just straight up brawls with the cops. You got a, you got a police car on fire in the middle of the street. Definitely a cop car. Damn. I was on my way home. This is the middle of 52nd Street. Out of hand. So why? Why we have there's no like it's it's the narrative is and and I'll I'll say this and this is not something I say often but the left media, right the the Democrat media. Is the one pushing the white cops kill black man narrative with very little context unless you read the story but those headlines are powerful, those headlines are powerful and are dangerous, very very dangerous and they fuel this type of thing more people getting hurt more people getting killed, and property damage out the ass. Is that really helping anybody? Is that avenging this man's death? No. No. Not at all. This is out of fucking hand. And I don't know how we come back from this in a way. I really have a hard time trying to understand how we come back from this. And I, did, I'm not, I don't want to get too far into all of this. But I do want to voice my frustration with the way that people are responding to these kind of things. Ruining, destroying cities. And I'm not going to sit here and, and take the, the right-wing narrative of Democrat-run cities. Like, this is all kinds of cities, okay? <sighs> but, man, it's rough. It's rough to watch. I don't like co watching cops shoot people. I don't like the cops need to shoot people. I don't like that people with mental health issues are running around with fucking knives and waving them at people. It's all really, really rough. And that's really all I have to say about that. Let's move on. Old Zuckerberg and Jack from Twitter and the Google guy are all in front of the Senate having a little hearing today. And I wanted to point out a couple things. So Cory Gardner, the senator from uh, Colorado, where I reside, and Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, where I used to live, my two homes, two of my, my two favorite states, really, Colorado and Texas. And these Republican tools um, are running their fucking mouths. And I wanted to show what they had to say. Now, a lot of this is, is done. I feel like this is very odd. I mean, this is, this is kind of a left-wing kind of... Um, Thought, I guess this is if it were the thought police here, this is a liberal thought of mine, but it's kind of odd they're doing this six days before an election. Like, there's other things that are more, much more important, like I don't know, a stimulus package, a lot of things that could be done right now. But no, we're, we're having a conversation about social media, and these fucking Republican crybabies like really wear me out. Like, I understand, and there is, there is definitely a left lean in, in tech, okay, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on as to why that is, but. The fact that we're doing this six days before election is 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 quite annoying to me, quite annoying. But I'm going to play you, uh, Cory Gardner, just a brief clip of him going going off. And this is actually from the GOP war room, so they didn't really they they, they created a very favorable clip here. Um, but we're going to break that down. Then we're going to get into Ted Cruz having a fucking tantrum uh, with Jack from Twitter, which is which is quite entertaining and uh, substantially obnoxious. So let's go ahead and check this out. 
Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Senator Thune, for uh, for sharing uh, your time, or at least uh, deferring your time uh, to me. Uh, and thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Uh, thank you very much, and Mr. Dorsey, thank you uh, for being here. Uh, Mr. Dorsey, I'm going to direct these first questions to you. Mr. Dorsey, do you believe the, the Holocaust really happened, yes or no? Yes. So you would agree that someone who says the Holocaust may not have happened is spreading misinformation, yes or no? Uh, yes. I appreciate your answers on this, but they surprised me and probably a lot of other Coloradans and Americans. After all, Iran's Ayatollah has done. Please don't speak for Coloradans. Exactly this. Questioning the Holocaust. And yet his tweets remain unflagged on Twitter's platform. You and I agree that moderating your platform makes sense in certain respects. We don't want the next terrorist finding inspiration on Twitter or any certain any platform uh, for that matter. But you've also decided to moderate certain content from influential world leaders. And I'd like to understand your decisions to do so a little bit better. Uh, can you name any other instance of Twitter hiding or deleting a tweet from heads of state? Uh, not, not off the top of my head, but we have many uh, examples across world leaders around the world. Would you be willing to provide a, a list of those? Absolutely. Uh, I know we've established we agree content moderation can have certain upsides like uh, combating terrorism, but Twitter has chosen to approach content moderation from the standpoint of combating misinformation as well. So it's strange to me that you've flagged the tweets from the president, but haven't hidden the Ayatollah's tweets on Holocaust denial or calls to wipe Israel off the map. And that you, uh, you can't recall off the top of your head hidden or deleted tweets from other world leaders. I would appreciate that, uh, that list. I think it's important that we all hear that. So that brings- all right. So let's talk about that real quick. He's talking about, this is, he goes a little bit further into this, but I don't really think it's worth our time because it's nonsensical. Um, he talks about how they didn't flag Holocaust denial tweets from um, some Iranian leader of the Ayatollah. Okay. And then he compares that to... Donald Trump being uh, flagged and then adding a fact check to any of his tweets about mail-in balloting or voting by mail during a pandemic. Of those two things, let's just let's just be objective observers here. Of those two things, which do you think are more consequential and deserve more scrutiny? A conspiracy theory about the Holocaust not being a thing? Or... Voting in an upcoming election, that is, I think those were tweets for about a, a month ago. So a month out from an election, which one do you think is more consequential and Twitter should be have, have more um, scrutiny when reviewing? Somebody tweeting from a country where Twitter isn't even allowed? Iran? Or uh, voter suppression tactics from the Republican Party? You make your own fucking mind up there. Now let's move on to Ted Cruz having a temper tantrum. The people using the service as much information as possible. Thank you, Senator Blumenthal. Senator Cruz. Chairman, I want to thank you, Mr. Chairman, for holding this hearing. The three witnesses we have before this committee today collectively pose, I believe, the single greatest threat to free speech in America and the greatest threat we have to free and fair elections. Yesterday, I spent a considerable amount of time speaking with both Mr. Zuckerberg and Mr. Pichai. I have concerns about the behavior of both of their companies. I would note that Facebook is at the minimum at least trying to make some efforts in the direction of defending free speech. I appreciate their doing so. Google, I agree with the concerns that Senator Klobuchar raised. I think Google has more power than any company on the face of the planet. And the antitrust concerns are real. The impact of Google is profound. And I expect we will have continued and ongoing discussions about Google's abuse of that power and its willingness to manipulate search outcomes to influence and change election results. Here is how a lot of those people do that, by the way. If we're talking about China, Russia, Iran, if they want to influence elections, what they'll do is have a bot farm just retweet Charlie Kirk a bunch of times. So they're using domestic information and retweeting that a bunch of times from some right-wing dipshit, i.e. Charlie Kirk or any of his cohorts. But today, 
I want to focus my questioning on Mr. Dorsey and on Twitter. Because of the three players before us, I think Twitter's conduct has by far been the most egregious. Mr. Dorsey, does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? No. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of a broad spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testified to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? People people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Okay, so Twitter does have the ability to, to 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 manipulate elections if they want to. I understand. I understand where both sides are coming from here. Um, but this, why would you block anything that has that? It's not. It's not like elections are their number one priority. Like the keeping people from interacting, engaging in real war, real world harmful activities is their priority. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, well, we have policies that are focused on making sure that more voices on the platform are possible. We see a lot of abuse and harassment, which ends up silencing people and having them leave from the platform. All right, Mr. Dorsey, I find your opening questions, your opening answers absurd on their face. Let's talk about the last two weeks in particular. As you know, I have long been concerned about Twitter's pattern of censoring and silencing individual Americans with whom Twitter disagrees. But two weeks ago, Twitter and to a lesser extent, Facebook crossed a threshold that is fundamental in our country. Two weeks ago, Twitter made the unilateral decision to censor the New York Post in a series of two blockbuster articles, both alleging evidence of corruption against Joe Biden. The first concerning Ukraine, the second concerning communist China. And Twitter made the decision, number one, to prevent users, any user, from sharing those stories. And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting. Why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? That was a terrible idea. Uh, we had a hack materials policy. Um, that we when was that policy on. adopted? Uh, in 2018, I believe. In 2018, go ahead. What was, what, what was the policy? So the policy is around um, limiting the spread of materials uh, that are hacked. Um, we didn't want Twitter to be a distributor for hacked materials. Um, we found that the New York Post, because it showed the direct materials, screenshots of the direct materials, and it was unclear how those were attained, that it felt that it fell under this policy. Now, so in your view, if it's unclear the source of, uh, of a document, and in this instance, the New York Post documented what it said the source was, which it said it was a, uh, a laptop owned. Which is complete bullshit, by the way. Just as, let's just put that out. Like that's, the, that's the shadiest method of acquiring information. That I've, it's like, it's like, like they don't even believe that. They think we're so stupid that we're going to believe that Hunter Biden left a laptop at a repair shop in, in Delaware. That's so stupid by Hunter Biden that had been turned into a repair store. So they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect. And we changed it today. Right now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute, delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions, and they can tweet the exact same material from the exact same article, and it would go through. So, Mr. Dorsey, your ability is you have the power to force a media out. And let's be clear the New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting the new york post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in america the new york post is over 200 years old the new york post was founded by alexander hamilton and your position is that that you can sit in silicon valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish and you can tell the american people what reporting they can hear is that right 
No, this was this was a you know every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service. A terms of service. Is so media outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No, not at all. We, you know, we we recognize an error in this policy, and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their posts. It. You're we still blocking their posts right now. Today, you're blocking their posts. No, they're not. That's he just he just cleared that up. We're not blocking the post. Anyone can tweet. Can the New York Post uh, post on their on a Twitter account? If they go into their account, no is your answer to that. No, no. unless they, they reflect and, and agree with your dictates. Let me ask you something. You, you claimed it was because of a hacked materials uh, policy. I find that facially uh, highly dubious and clearly employed in in a deeply partial way. Did Twitter block the distribution of the New York Times' story a few weeks ago that purported to be based on copies of President Trump's tax returns? We didn't find that a violation of our terms of service and this policy in particular because it was reporting about the material. It wasn't distributing the material. Okay, well, that's actually not true. They, they posted what they purported to be original source materials, and federal law, federal statute makes it a crime, a federal felony, to distribute someone's tax returns against their knowledge. So that material was based on something that was distributed in violation of federal law, and yet Twitter gleefully allowed people to circulate that. But when the article was critical of Joe Biden, Twitter engaged in rampant uh, censorship and silencing. And again, we recognized errors in that policy. We, we changed it within 24 hours. This is this is. But you're still blocking the New York Post. You haven't changed it. We have changed it. They can log into their account, delete the original tweet. Uh, that was you forced the Politico reporter to take down his post about the New York Post as well. Is that correct? Within that 24-hour period, yes. But we, you know, as the policy has changed, anyone can tweet. So the Twitter takes the view you can censor the New York Post. You can censor Politico. Presumably, you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey. Who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a Democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Let, let's give uh, Mr. Dorsey uh, uh, a few seconds to answer that, and uh, then we'll have to conclude this, this um, segment. Well, we're, we're not doing that. Uh, and this is why I opened um, this hearing with calls for more transparency. We realize we need to earn trust more. We realize that more accountability is needed to show our intentions and to show the outcomes. Thank you, um, Senator. So I, I hear the concerns and acknowledge them, but we want to we fix it with more transparency. Thank you, Senator Cruz. Um, the rank. All right. So I wanted to play that whole thing because that was the pretty, that was the most um, aggressive. And I listened to this whole three and a half hour thing. Um, that was the most aggressive approach to attacking uh, Jack Dorsey. Now, I honestly feel for the tech companies in this situation. Like this is not a really, and it's not a popular opinion as a content creator. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like how it's how it's structured. Um, I think they could do. They're going to have to do a better job. There's not any doubt in my mind. But I will say that the reason that the right gets censored more often is because their content, generally speaking, is more dangerous. And when you have groups like QAnon on the right that are, and then President Trump retweeting QAnon stuff and retweeting people, you know, the Floridians and their golf carts talking about uh, white power, like that's just that stuff is is more dangerous than what generally comes from the left. Now that ends when you get into the alt left, right? The alt left, like. The Antifa types and these hardcore, um, essentially leftist authoritarians, right? So that's there is there's issues there as well. But I will say, objectively, being a part of this and looking at it, there is much less harmful, threatening, dangerous content coming out of the left than there is the right. I will say that in the streets, that's a different conversation. I will say in the streets that it's people who are claiming to be. Um, on the left, 
you know, the Antifa types that are causing the most real world harm. So it's interesting. I mean, we have a few isolated cases like the attempted kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Like there's a few things going on and and there is a militia issue on the right that is not exclusively on the right, but it's definitely more prevalent on the right. But I was having this conversation with some conservatives yesterday. It's unfortunate that for people who are pragmatic on the right that they are in a situation where they're getting lumped in with QAnon, even because QAnon is a is a right wing conspiracy group that is incredibly pervasive and they are everywhere. So the the sorting of this is incredibly complex, incredibly complex, and it has led to real world harm in in many ways, and it leads to interference. You know, it, it's such a it's such a tricky issue, but I think that there's a better way to approach it. Like the Hunter Biden, we talked about this, and I think this is a pretty pretty well agreed upon thing is the way that they the way the New York Post wrote and distributed the Hunter Biden article was problematic. I don't think it should have been blocked by any means, but they did not do a good job of keeping the information within that article uh, respectful and pertinent to what is in the American good, right? You should not be posting private text messages between a father and son while a son is in rehab, regardless of the situations, unless there's actual corruption being done within those text messages. That is problematic. That is why that stuff got blocked. That gave them an excuse. If you know that you're, you're under scrutiny, you do need to conduct yourself in a way that will leave no doubt as to your intentions. And it kind of had this somewhat political and very much, very slanderous type of situation. I think it's fucked up. I think the, the corruption on the left and the corruption on the right, like I think that I, I've been out about saying this. Biden is and Trump are both corrupt. Trump has stacked cash as the president of the United States. Okay? Like don't get this twisted here. I don't think either one of them are right or good or just. And the way the New York Post went about doing that article, I don't have very much respect for, but I appreciate that that information was shared. Okay? So it's a, it's a weird deal that we're in here and it's really really tricky, but there's a better way to go about it. There's a much better way to go about it, and I feel like we can do this after the election is over because nothing is going to change now. What, 70 million Americans have already voted. Like, let's let's get through this thing. This is a fucking dumpster fire, and, and let's do our best uh, to move forward. So with all of that, we've got some good information there. Let's move on to my favorite part of the show. I, th- I think it's my favorite part of the show. I'm going to give you something to think about. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I voted for these fucking idiots. And I hated every second of it. I hate it. I hate it. But I would rather hate them in office than hate Trump in office for numerous reasons and some of them personal. But here is one of the main reasons. Joe Biden is going to be criticized for the entire entirety of his presidency for the 1994 crime bill in the same way that Kamala Harris is going to be criticized for her treatment of inmates in California as attorney general. Those are two things that people on the left, coming from the left, have a serious problem with. Now, here's what I think is likely. These people love power, they love attention, they love praise, and I want us, the population of this country, Americans, to leverage the fuck out of that. When we talk about police reform, we talk about prison reform, which are both very, very, very important to me, Democrats can do something that Republicans cannot do. That is legalization of marijuana federally, decriminalization of possession of drugs. Now, that changes everything. That is our linchpin. The only thing outside of that that I'm really super concerned about that I feel is a linchpin issue is campaign finance reform. Those 
do it for me. The Republicans, based on their um, their facade of religiosity, are going to have a hard time with that. You have people that worship Ronald Reagan and the war on drugs, which has damaged more lives than an actual war in this country. So when I come to vote, I'm voting for progress when it comes to drug laws, prison reform, police reform, but the underlying issue there is drug laws. They have no reason to pull you over or stop you on the assumption that you may have a controlled substance. Then we have less police interactions. We have less police interactions. We have less police interactions going wrong. Okay? Does that make sense to everybody? That's pretty fucking straightforward. And I want Biden and Kamala to be hammered and shamed publicly while they are in office for the 1994 crime bill and for their treatment of drug policy and inmates in California in the in the case of Kamala Harris. Kamala. I have a hard time saying her name. I want to leverage their desire for praise, power, and a legacy to force them to right their wrongs. That's what I hope for. That is something Donald Trump cannot do. Something a conservative, unless they are very open about it and run on that, cannot do. There are things that Trump could have done to get my vote, and I'm kind of ashamed to even say that. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and he had plenty of fucking time. Plenty of time. But here we are. So my hope is that in the next four years, even though we have two neoliberals in the White House, if Biden and Kamala get in the White House, if Biden takes the Oval for as long as he can until his brain finally peters out, maybe some push from the left and some from the right because legalization of marijuana at a federal level is highly, highly, highly popular. Almost as, I think it's about the same amount of popularity as Medicare for all, to be honest with you. It's pretty high. So, can we push them to do the right thing? Can we push them to right their wrongs? Harris does not really have values from what I see. Harris likes power. Harris is power hungry. Kind of like Kevin Spacey in House of Cards. She she reminds me of. And I think that can be a valuable, valuable tool. Because where Trump lusts for attention and praise, Harris puts power above praise. She loves both of them. And she wants everybody to say Yas Queen when she gets in the White House. But first and foremost, she wants power. And she wants to be remembered as someone who did something. Who did something. And we can hope. We know it's not going to be campaign finance reform. You know they're not going to do shit when it comes to health care. You know they're probably not going to end these wars. But we might be able to get some help here at home with our drug crisis and our outrageous prison and law enforcement issues. And that starts with legalization of marijuana at a federal level and decriminalizing possession of drugs and creating a situation where people that are addicts can get help. It's a humongous problem and it is supported, oftentimes um, pushed by the pharmaceutical industry And any reform or legalization is blocked by the pharmaceutical industry. It's a joke. It's sad. It's one of the most embarrassing things that I can feel. I feel embarrassed in the way that America has handled these things. And I'm frankly ashamed. So if we can right that wrong as a nation, that would be a humongous step in the right direction. And sometimes the best people to right the wrong are the people who fucked it up in the first place. So maybe, maybe we'll end up a little better off than we started. My hopes aren't high, but we got a chance.
And that is just something to think about. Guys, I appreciate everybody so much. We have a good time here. And I would really appreciate it if you share this episode on any kind of social media. Tag me in that as well. Share it with some friends. Share it with your family. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And above all else, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time, my friends. Have a wonderful day and good luck with the, uh, you know, voting and stuff. Don't get shot by a militia group. <laughs> <laughs>